Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When I did it, I didn't realize, I truly did not realize there was a camera in that part of the tunnel. Pointed at him and just said, you like that. I did want to go to the market. I did want to see what was out there, but Mm -hmm. it didn't mean that I wanted to leave Washington. You know, if we could deliver that, uh, you would be, I mean, you'd just be a legend forever. So that's uh, really where our focus is. Yo, welcome to All Things Covered with Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. The name says it all. If you like what you hear, make sure you leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can also watch us on YouTube. Just visit youtube.com slash allthingscovered. So make sure you subscribe and turn on your alerts so you can get this show right away. Pat P, what are we going to cover on this episode? Hey, yo, Mac, man, it's about time that I welcome... One of my new teammates. No question. Why no not question. go big? Why not go big with Captain Kirk? Captain Kirk. Why not? No question. Yeah, Captain Kirk will be joining the show today. And, uh, we, I can't wait to talk football, catch up on a little bit of golf, family. No question. It should be exciting, man. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Ladies and gents, you guys know what time it is. First quarter of the show, we coming out. We might throw a little blitz at you, might throw a little cover two zone at you, but you better believe we're going to come at you with some outstanding defense. And here's where we chopping it up. Our chopping it up segment this week is a very, very special, special segment. Our very own Pat P became a journalist, to say the least. He wrote a nice, (laughs) eloquent letter. In the Players' Tribune, that's out right now. So if you guys have yet to hear about the letter or read the letter, make sure you go to players, the playerstribune.com to check out the letter. It was a thank you letter, to say the least, to the Arizona Cardinals, to all the fans that have supported Pat Pete and his family and his friends throughout his 10 years of playing in AZ. He went out and let it all on the line or let it all on paper because he put it on wax. He put it on paper. Pat P man, tell us about your, your thoughts about, you know, writing that thank you letter to Arizona. You know, it was only right. You know, I, like I alluded on a, a number of times, you know, I had opportunity to spend 10 years here. Some people saying like, you know, why haven't we got a, a formal, you know, goodbye, you know, it's hard to bottle up 10 years of not only success, but, you know, great memories friendships, relationships, it's hard to bottle that up in like within a, within a week, mm-hmm. you know, so it's something I wanted to sit on, something I wanted to be well wrote, uh, written out. Um, it was a ton of people that, that I had to thank that I remember, like I said, who helped me along my journey, who helped me become the player person that I have become today. It was, and it was a lot of people along that journey. So I didn't want to short out anyone or leave anybody out that I felt that was special to me along that journey, that 10 years um, in Arizona, here in Arizona. So, um, like I said, I wanted to make sure that it was something that, you know, that was well processed to where, you know, I got my message out, you know, clear. And I had got opportunity to say one, one more 
one more farewell, you know what I mean? Because obviously saying it is one thing, but having it on paper to where people can go back and really look at it and see their names, the names that I have in the article, you know, the people that I'm thinking, you know, I think that uh that will definitely uh, hit hit home a little bit harder. So, again, you know, I had an awesome, awesome time here in Arizona. You know, I wouldn't trade it for nothing here, for, for nothing in the world. You know, um, had an opportunity, again, to raise two beautiful girls here. Uh, my wife finishing up med school here. Uh, just ironically, uh, the year that she's finish, finishing up med school is uh, the year that we're leaving. So uh, the good Lord works in uh, mysterious, mysterious ways. ways. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Good Lord works in mysterious ways. And um, we're blessed for the new opportunity that is laid out in front of us. Uh, like I said, you know, viewers, listeners, if you would like to check out the letter, the thank you letter from Pat Peterson to Arizona. It's on the playerstribune.com. One thing I like about the letter, Pat P, you highlighted everything that was associated with you during your time there in Arizona. And you talked about the highs and you talked about some of the lows. And one thing that, one thing that a lot of people forget about, you found out, you know, you're a diabetic while playing for the Cardinals. Right. And and that was so weird and ironic at the same time, because I remember having a conversation with you. And when you took your profile shot for that upcoming season, and your, <laughs> your face was about the size of an oversized egg. I'm like, Pat, I'm like, dang. <laughs> and if anybody know anything about Pat Peterson, going back to his LSU days, high school days, your face has always, it's always been well structured. You know what right. I mean? But you know, the first time someone is gaining weight, you just got to look at them at, look at, look at their face. Right. And then you was like, man, I'm just, you know, and I'm like, you always been a big kid, but man, Pat, your face look kind of fat. But eventually you found out why you were gaining weight. So mm-hmm. fill us in a little bit about that, you know, adversity you had to face, especially while being a professional player. Yeah, it was weird, you know, going through that, going through that state because I, you know, like you said, you know, with, with my body making that, that change, I was like, man, what the heck's going on with me? Because I'm doing the same thing, you know, I'm eating the same thing. I'm working out every day. I don't know what the heck is going on, you know, and I'm at the time I was 23, 24 years old. And I'm like, man, I'm I'm in shape. Like, I can't tell you, you know what I mean? So How, how big did you get? Man, the biggest I got, I remember seeing on 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 a scale was two thirty nine. Like on a scale was two thirty. Was that during the season? No, Training no, 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 no. Hell no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have shown up to camp that damn fat. Hell no. So this was during the off season. <laughs> yeah, this was during the off season. This had to be. I think it was like on my anniversary trip. Like this, yeah. getting ready to come back to football. So I'm like, man. Yeah, but during that I, time, I, you still were working out though. Right, I'm still working out, but I'm like, man, I can't eat nothing now because I'm still eating normal. I got to get in fighting weight. That's what Coach Bowles used to tell me all the time because I, you know, we had OTAs and all that stuff. He's like, man, P, you need to come back in fighting weight. Yeah, I'm like, man, I got to get in fighting weight, man, because this ain't going, this ain't, this ain't going, this ain't going to cut it. So, uh, and I end up going to camp around like 220. So I, I shed about 19 pounds. That still was pretty heavy for you, though. No doubt about it. So, yeah. uh, so I end up showing up to camp, like I said, around like. 220, 229, two, something like something crazy, but didn't end up playing the season around that weight. The lowest I got during the season was like 217. Wow. So, um, like, yeah. So as the season started going on, like, man, something's not right with me. My wife telling me, like, obviously we, we talking about, I'm like, baby, I can't tell you. I, like, I, I, I can't tell you what the hell's going on. So, uh, yeah, that, that whole process going on. 
And eventually we uh, cause this it happened and I, I I wrote this in the letters that it happened in practice because Coach Aaron's thought I was partying. So is this when they really started? They wanted to run tests on me because we were heading up to Oakland. It was a Friday practice and um I'm out. I'm still making plays. I'm in practice and stuff, but I'm throwing up after like every period. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm like you know, I'm I'm like I'm hurting. I'm like man, what the fudge knuckle is going on with my body? Mm-hmm. So now that's happening. Now, you know, CBA, he sees that. So he's like, man, what the hell he got going on? This is not my five-star player. Like, what, what are he doing throwing up, you know, after every, what's his name? He's been partying this, that, another. Yeah. So, yeah, coach wanted to hell. Coach wanted to, to literally make me inactive for that game after that practice. But I'm like, coach, I promise you I ain't partying. I ain't doing nothing. Like, um, I can't tell you what's going on. And then when we got back from Oakland, um, that's when I finally got tested. And that's when they find like, you know, my, my glucose level, my A1C level, sugar levels, all that is like through the roof. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, that's when I, I, once we found out, you know, what was the cause of all of this, you know, they started giving me the proper medication, you know. What was the cause? Uh, they said it was, it's, it's, it's environmental, like it's genetics, you know, mm. so. You know, just something that, you know, obviously we know, you know, African-Americans, that's something that we deal with, high blood pressure, you know, mm-hmm. diabetes. That's just it's something that runs, you know, within the within the bloodline. So, you know, and with my wife being a family physician, seeing some of the things that she talked about, seeing some of the charts about, you know, the obese, like what parts of the states, I mean, what parts of the uh, country that you know, the most, uh, the percentage of obese people are and things like that, obviously, the race that that have the highest percentage of uh, being obese and things like that. So it was just environmental, just changing the diet, you know, watching what I eat, because obviously we know being in the South, you know, we love to eat you know, what we eat, you know, and that yeah. stuff, you know, contain a lot of sodium and obviously a lot of, over, uh, a lot of sodium is not good for our bodies. So, you know, that's one of the you know main things why a lot of African-Americans, you know, are obese or are fighting high blood pressure is just the diet. And, you know, it's, you know, we, we have to find a way to fight that urge if we want to stay on this earth and be healthy to change the uh, the way we eat. But like I said, it was it was environmental, so uh, that's what caused it, and well, genetic as well. Well, good thing they decided to uh, to run some tests on you because you probably just thought you had a little a little bug, <laughs> you know, a little weekend bug. Because you still play. That's the crazy part about it. You were in that bad of shape. And I had Friday, it, and and you it still so bad. Right. I think that was a wake up call for me too, because like from that point on, from the Oakland game, I had a pretty good game in Oakland. Then we played Dallas the week after. And, um, you know, mind you, uh, Dallas, I think Tony Romo, he had got hurt the week before. I I can't remember who they played and it was in discussions if, if he was going to play or not. So Dak, I mean, not Dak, um, Dez didn't have Dak, uh, didn't have his quarterback. But uh, I played. That was one of my best games. I think I held Dad to like Dad. Uh, not, why I keep saying Dad? Des mm-hmm. to uh, one catch, and he got a freaking a last late late. You know the garbage time touchdown. Man, I had I held him to no catches up to freaking four minutes and four minutes and some odd seconds left in the fourth quarter. And I knew the back shoulder was coming. I'm playing for the back shoulder, but I had lost it in the lights because of Dallas. You know that was like the new time of the stadium, so they had these they got these weird lighting position of their lights. And I look back for the back shoulder. Eric Mike can go find this picture, uh, find this, uh, clip. I'm in perfect position. I look back and I'm like, damn, what a ball at? And next thing you know, he caught it like right in front of me, right while I was looking, but I lost it. In the and, lights. Yeah. Hey, in the and, and, lights. And the one thing I hate, 
freaking eye black don't do anything in those situations. No, man, no. You be having all this eye black underneath the eye. It's supposed to help the glare of the lights. And when you're in that situation, especially playing in a dome. Yeah, oh, man, man, I used to hate playing in domes because yep. when you look up, the first thing you see is the lights. And then you yep. got you got to adjust fast because the yep. receiver already adjusts to the ball. You know what I mean? They already see it. They, they looking at it the whole time. So they see the trajectory. They see yeah. it going through the lights so they can kind of time it when it's oh. coming out of the lights. Man, that'll make you give up a play quick, and you're man. right there. That's yep. what people be on. People be watching from the television screen, like, "Hey, what are you doing? He's right there!" Like, yo, we're looking at the lights, and by the time we actually see the ball, they already made that adjustment. Yeah, yeah. But hey, man, that that is the the letter is awesome. Like I said, for everyone who's tuning in right now, watching us and listening to us, man, give Pat P uh some 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 tribute, man. He did an outstanding thank you letter. To Arizona, you know, just just showing so much appreciation to the organization and to the fans there. So, you know, you, you're becoming a journalist now, Pat P. So this might be a little something you might need to dib and dab in a little more frequently, sir. You did a pretty good job. <laughs> hey, man, like like my boy uh, Young Thug say, man, I feel like every uh, my, I feel like a journalist is following following me every day, man. Every day. Every day. So- Shout out to the Players <laughs> Tribune. Like I said, playerstribune.com. Go check it out. Now it's time for my favorite part of the show and your favorite part of the show. Has Pat heard? Hey, man, have the have the fans voted this as their favorite part of the show, man? Are you just No, we, we've been getting a lot of, no, Pat, we've been getting a lot of people um, on social media, specifically Twitter, talking about this segment <laughs> of the show. And... I told you one fan, I forgot his name. When you signed with the Vikings, he tweeted out, I wonder has Pat oh, yeah. that Pat signed with the Vikings. You know what I mean? So people are following this part of the show. And okay. it's, 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 okay. it's a bit hilarious because, you know, a lot hey, of I'm not even going to lie. This, this is going to be tough this week, Mac. I ain't going to lie. Oh man, look, well, look here. Let me, let me fill our new listeners and our new viewers in about this <laughs> segment of the show. Uh, this, we decided to implement this into our show because during the off season, Pat P is doing a lot of golf. So if you, if you follow Pat P, if you're a fan of him, or if you just don't like him because he's so good and he dominates your wide receivers, you know, he golfs, he travels a lot. So he's not really in tune to what's going on outside of his golf game and his working out game. So we decided to see how much he's not in tune to sports. His overall record right now, he's 19 of 29. So he's gotten 19 right out of 29 questions. He went two out of three last week. But go ahead, get on fast, fat herd, man. Yeah, we got a we got a layup for you, Pat P. I mean, a right hand layup, an easy light in game layup. All right. (laughs) Have you heard of Alex Rodriguez? Come on, man. Yeah. Okay, that's a layup. And the reason why we started off with that question is because your new hometown NBA Oh, team, I saw that. Anthony Edwards hey, was a baller, listen, by the way. I think he was joking, bro. No, he was not joking. No, man, I think serious. he was he joking, was, man. He was serious. It's a heart attack. He was man, not he, joking But he know about baseball. He Remember in that interview, but, 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 he talked but, about what? Pat. Remember he talked about saying he no, don't he's know like baseball. He's like 19. He's like 19. He is, though, but at the he's same time. He was born in 2001. Damn, you're right. But I still think he was joking <laughs> because he said in that interview, he said, man, I don't even, I don't know, I don't, I don't even know about baseball, but they pulled up like an interview maybe like a month ago with him talking about be- playing baseball and be- wanting to be a shortstop. Yeah, but I don't think he actually knows about the game when it pertains to players. That's the thing. Yeah, Clearly, I get A-Rod, that, but- 
He was born in 2001. Okay. And the backdrop of this story with Pat P, of course, this is the first layup question. Anthony Edwards, the number one draft pick from a year ago, other Timberwolves, who's a baller, by the way, coming from UGA, was asked yeah, when he Georgia. thought about A-Rod owning the team. He said I, he had no idea who he was. I think he was, <laughs> I think he was dead, dead serious. You think he was serious? He was born in 2001. There's a possibility. There's a possibility. You know what I mean? He was born in 2001, so that's a layup. You got that easy one right. I don't know if that should actually count, but we had it as a question. You got it right, so you 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 start. Man, come on, man. Want to know? All right, let's go with this one. Dwayne Wade bought ownership and ownership stake in what franchise? No, we got him. Look at him. Utah Jazz. Oh, okay. Utah Jazz. Oh, okay. I saw that. I saw that. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. You surprised me. I thought we had. You saw saw me put my thing in cap on. Yeah, you saw me yeah, think yeah, the cap, ball cap. I, what do, what do you, when you heard about that, you know, what did you, what did you think? I, I heard a lot of people complaining about, wait a minute, you bought, you bought ownership and ownership stake in the Jazz and not the Heat. But, but I heard that if he purchased any ownership stake in the Heat, he'd never recruit for them. Mm. So I, I, it makes sense because, you know, if you own the Heat, the team that you love and you play, you play with, you can't recruit or help right. them get better. Right. So, so yeah, you can own. He can he can own part of the Jazz and still try to do whatever he can to right. help his home team out in yeah. the Miami Heat. No, I think I think it's a I think makes sense. A, yeah, I think it makes sense for sure. Yeah, I was going to ask you: Does ownership is there any ownership interest for you in your in, in the in the near future when you're done playing? Man, I would love to. Nothing has come come across my desk yet, but I would love to have the opportunity to you know have a, a piece of ownership of you know any franchise you know. Being a, a, a huge sports fan and, you know, having, you know, girl, having kids, you know, want to have, or I want to leave, I want to have the opportunity to leave something behind. You know what I mean? That's why, you know, the good Lord put us on this platform to be able to take advantage of it. And, you know, it's, and there's something like that, you know, cross, cross my desk, you know, no, damn right. <laughs> I'm all in. And one thing you might want to look at, uh, when it comes to ownership and having a stake in something, uh, Esports, the gaming industry. Yeah, man. They, and it's only going to get huge. bigger. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah, sir. It's only going to get bigger. That, that's something that, you know, has been not just taking, you know, people by storm here domestically, but universal, uh, universal, yeah. you know, globally, everywhere. Every, the gaming industry say, is huge. Very, yeah, globally for yeah. sure. All right. Pat P. You 2 and 0, two man. 2 and 0. Okay. How many, first of all, how many questions do we got? We got, uh, I can't tell you that. You just got to answer. You just got to, right. they, they, they come as they, as they come. All right. This one right here in the third question. Did you hear Alex Smith retired? Alex Smith, the quarterback? Yeah. Yeah, I did actually. Cause I saw, um, <laughs> uh, Golden Tate posted. Ah, uh, okay. He posted it and that's where you saw it at. Yep, that's why I saw it. But yeah, if I if I wouldn't have saw that two hours ago, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Oh, have, I would so so we had you until two hours ago. Yeah. Yep. 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 Alex Smith, sixteen NFL seasons. He was actually the first pick in my draft, two thousand five draft, twenty twenty really? comeback player. He went for, he went one from Utah. Yep, I that know, draft I mean, was pretty loaded. Oh yeah, Alex Smith went one. Braylon Edwards. Uh, then Joe Thomas go that draft too? No, nah, Joe Thomas. No, no, no. Cleveland took Braylon Edwards that draft. In 05. Oh, yeah. 03. Is Joe Thomas younger than you? Yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah, he much younger. Okay. Ronnie Brown, three Cadillac. Yeah, I remember four. Ronnie Brown. Yeah, yeah. Alex Smith was one, though. What and corners that's, that's, was that draft with you? Shoot. We had me. That wasn't Carlos Rogers, huh? Carlos Rogers. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Andrell, that Pac-Man. Yep. Um, 
Nick Collins, because Nick was yep. a corner coming out of Bethune. Yeah, Stanford Nick safety, route, uh, Fabian Washington, Bay. Kelvin Hayden, little Scott Starks went to Jacksonville, oh, yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah we, we, it was a few corners, yeah. Okay. Three-time pro bowler. But, yeah, Alex Smith. Man, you played against Alex Smith a few times out in San Fran before you went to Kansas City, right? Yeah, I played against him in Kansas City, too. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, hey, man, check this out, though. I think Alex Smith is – I got my two sacks against Alex Smith, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. That's the quarterback you got two sacks on? Yep. That's dope. Yeah. Shout out to Alex, man. Again, my two Alex sacks. Alex Smith, your first sack. And yeah, actually, and, and, and Mac, the second one, so the first one was my rookie year. I came off a corner blitz. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was in my boy Ray Horton. I forgot what it, what we called. It was a cat something. But yeah, yeah I came. Ray, off, y'all probably was running something palms. that we used to run in Pittsburgh. Yeah, we was playing some palms behind it. Came right off that joker. Uh, there was in, uh, I'll never forget there was in a uh, snug set, double snug. Both, both, t- uh, both sides was, uh, inside, uh, both receivers inside the numbers. And I came off the edge, got the set. That was the first one. But the second one, when he played for Kansas City, they came to the desert and he slid right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got that easy one. You got that bunny. You got that for real layup. He slid and you just tapped him. You I forgot got that touch, who that it was. Tap. I think it was Chandler. Chandler Jones said, Hey, man, did you just get a sack? I was like, Yes, yes sir. The, oh man. Hey, those be the best actually, sacks. Actually, I got four sacks total because I got one off uh Daniels Jones and I got another one off a quarterback last year who did that. Who, who just think slid. It was, he gave himself up. Yes, I think I think it was Colt McCoy, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, because he came in late for Daniel Jones against uh when we played the mom um, at MetLife, if I'm not mistaken. Man, those hey, those be the straight. Hey man, easy so I got layers. I got I got two I got two I worked for. Uh huh. And two of them fell right in your lap. Literally right in my lap. Yo, my first sack came my rookie year in Lambeau Field against Brett Favre. Oh man, legendary. No question. Was it snowing? It was it was a little a little misty a little bit. You know, man, you gotta you gotta have that picture with the smoke coming. Hey, was the smoke coming? I got, hey, got, smoke oh, I got the, I got the picture. Man? I got the picture right over there. So I sacked Brett Favre. We ran di- dime away. Did you away. Him or did you tackle him, man? I Man, I knocked the ball loose from the man. That's what Andrew used to say. Knock the, knock the ball loose from the man. So I tell you, me and Troy Blitz, it was Diamond Way, weak Cobra White. So that's, uh, the weak side corner. Blitz, and I think and that's we, what running, we, a, we ran an X stunt and the X stunt is I go underneath, Troy goes over me and he's the uh-huh. contained player on the Blitz. Yeah. And backside corners, they playing quarters, everything inside. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, and, and that safety who replaces me is playing a half, is playing a squat technique. And the backside safety rolls over and play that half. So it's quarter, quarter, right. half in the back end. And we ran a blitz with the corner, the weak side corner and the dime that was away from the strength. So yeah, but well, that was my first sack. And I, when I, when I, when I sacked, I was super late. I was surprised I got there because I was supposed to get cursed out, but he held the ball because he didn't <laughs> recognize what we were doing. Man, Pat, I was so late, but I, because I was late, I came scot free because they, well, they, they converted right. to Troy. And I came through right. that. And I'm like, man. And when I got there, my eyes got so big and he didn't see me. So I tackled him and knocked the ball loose. <laughs> Troy picks the ball up and ran it back for like 70 yards. And then I got a block uh-huh. on the, the tight end kind of, I tried to block the tight end. I just got in his way. He pushed me through the grass, but, uh, Troy and what happened was Troy <laughs> was turning for a touchdown, man. So that Monday, Troy brought the football mm-hmm. to me. I got the football somewhere over here too. The sack oh, when I got it. Yeah. So Troy gave me the football. That's my first sack against Brett Falk. <laughs> Legendary. So you three know right now. Last Talk question for me. you. I think, man, I think we got him. Drum roll, please. Talk to me. Have you heard about the new NCAA transfer rule? The new rule for transfers. No, nah, man, you got me on that one. We finally got him. 
All right. So hey, they, but wait, if I had to take a wild guess though, because they I know they've been trying to change the rule far as kids transferring from another D1 to a uh, to another D1 and actually yep. going able to play this. So they changed it to where they're able to do that now. Yeah. So the new NCAA transfer rule is. Football and basketball student athletes will now be allowed to transfer and have immediate eligibility without sitting out. Okay. All right. So now they transfer instantly. Yeah, they can, they can play. play. Remember, it was only that was right, that rule only applied for, for grad uh grad students, right. kids who graduated already. They Which is transfer. only right though. That didn't That's that what I'm saying. Yeah, so now if you if you're not even playing, if you haven't earned the right to be a starter, you might get mad and just transfer. Right. And That's why 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 should you be penalized of sitting out a year? When you gotta work a year every year for your scholarship. Man, exactly. I, it's not preaching, it's not teaching accountability. You know what I mean? Sometimes you gotta earn things, you gotta go work for it. You might right. not be a starter as a freshman, but work. You know what I mean? If you're not starting as a freshman, you go transfer and just try to go somewhere where you can start. Well, I mean, what, what is that teaching? Yeah. It, it will definitely be a big time free agency period in college football. Have oh, some, yeah, not, yeah. have some uh, stats for you. Uh, of 12,000 FBS football players, 14.7% transferred in 2019 per the NCAA. Basketball, the four-year transfer rate in men's hoop, has risen from 10% in 2010 to 16% last year. In women's hoop, the rate was 12% last year. So people hey, are listen, transferring it's, it's about for to whatever reason. Oh, no it's question. You got to sit up now. It's about to be at least 30. I, I probably say it's going to be high 30s. Hey, if you had – if let's say hypothetically speaking, if things wasn't going right for you when you were at LSU mm. and you wanted to transfer, where would you go? <sighs> where, would, where would you have gone if Les Miles was tripping, wasn't trying to get you no uh, get you tick Miles, out there? If Les Miles was tripping. If he was tripping. Oh, um, dang, man. That's a good question, yo. That's a really good question. But it, since you put me on the spot and I have to take a wild pick right now, oh, uh, I will probably go with Michigan. Ooh, Michigan? Yeah, because I, you know, I was a huge fan of Charlie, Char- Char- Uncle Charles, man. So, you know, whatever. <sighs> yeah, I, 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 I probably, yeah, I probably, and I did, and I, did, I got slightly recruited by Michigan, but they didn't come at me hard. But they, they end up signing the number two corner in my uh, that year, and I cannot think of his name. He got this was funny it? last name. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. Bryant, it wasn't. It wasn't, Lee, it wasn't Leon Hall. He was already. He was older than you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Leon way older than me. I cannot remember his name, but he was. His starts. His, his last name started with a B. Um, but he was. Uh, I think. I want to say he was Nigerian, if I'm not mistaken. But he ended up going to Michigan the same year, and T.J. Bryant went to USC. USC. Yep, USC. So it was. We we were the uh, top top three corners come uh, when I was coming out. So. It probably would have been Michigan. Yeah, you know, I probably would have went to Miami. Yeah, I probably would went to him. I probably yeah. My, Miami wasn't my. I, I ain't want to go to Miami at that time because yeah, at the when you was coming out, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. But my time is now. I feel like it was it was cha- it was like that turnover. So that's like the year I think Larry Coker had just got fired. Obviously, they wasn't winning his last two years. Randy Shannon had ended up taking over, and it was just it was just on. It was just watered down at that time when I was coming up. Mm-hmm. That corner you talking about, first name Bubukar or something like that? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Bubukar. Yeah, Bubukar. That's him. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, because we used to be in like the U.S. All we played the U.S. All American game together. We went, you know, I mean, um, I, I I end up 
getting the uh it was between him and I for the the camp MVP. I ended up getting it, of course. But uh yeah, it was uh it was us three. It was us okay. three uh, when we was when we was coming out of school. All right. Well, you went three three and one. You got man. One I went wrong, three. Was, I went. I went three point five, Mac. Man, three point five I, I a half. Yeah, man. I take a half. We got to go to the committee. I mean, they they do that in golf, man. They do that in golf. They give halves in golf. Three point five match play. Pretty a pretty good day for you. <laughs> Add into your overall record. <laughs> it's almost time for halftime, and make sure you stay tuned because on the opposite side of the half, we got Captain Kurt coming. Kurt Cousins, Pat P's new starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. He will be joining us on the opposite side of the half. But before we get to halftime, you guys know what time it is. It's a two-minute warning part of the show right before half. And this is called 21 Questions. 21 Questions is where we get a chance to interact with you, the fan, the listeners, and the viewers. If you want your question to be answered in the future, leave a a question attached to a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we may get to it on the show. Pat P, this question, the question for this week's episode, it comes from Insta underscore ground. It's for both of us. Pat P, you're first. Who are some of your funniest teammates of all time? Please give an example of what they would do to lighten the mood in the locker room. <laughs> uh man, I got a bunch of those, man. Tony Jefferson uh, being one of them. Brandon Williams being another one. Uh I'm trying to think who was the guy on this past team last year. Or oh, Chandler Jones is one of them. Um <laughs> I have so many of them, but the funniest one though, is like he 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 doesn't do it because you have some guys that, you know, that's like obnoxious with, you know, trying to lighten up the mood or yeah. them being you know, loud and stuff like that. But Chandler is probably the funniest one of them, of them all, you know, cause he, he just, you know, he just so, he's just so smooth and subliminal with his messages. It's just like only the people who's close with him, you know, will catch it, you know? So yeah, yeah. You know, he's, yeah, he's, he, he's super cool, man. But, you know, he, he, you know, he, he's just, he's just a guy that, you know, obviously, you know, Won a bunch of uh, won a couple of Super Bowls, you know. Been been play, played with a bunch of great players, you know. He just understands how to break up that, you know, that that tension sometimes in uh in the locker room, and he always do a great job at it. An, an example, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see if I got any one any one of them that's PG. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the thing. Some of the most the, the most memorable <laughs> moments in the locker room. Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, man. The language. Dang. Oh man, I don't have any of them, but I, I I can go by this one. So Chandler is a big like he loves singing, like he loves singing, and the song that he always sang that he because he he's a guy that he he sings so much or he'll sing a tune to where he'll get it stuck in your head. You know what I mean? To where he'll come yeah. in the morning and singing a song. Next thing you know, you find yourself singing that song. But his favorite song, and it it always made everybody laugh, no matter how their day was going. Is her name is damn? What's her name? It's a uh, the way you speak to me. The girl who sang Shea uh, Coco uh, Shea Butter. Shea Butter, baby. Uh, I don't know. Name just pillow. Yeah, you hear my voice? You hear my tune? <laughs> Hold on, wait. I'm gonna find it. What's her name, man? It starts Make with. Make sure a- you say this one. I don't know who. Hey, I don't know. Hold on. 
Shea Butter. Hold on, hold on. Shea Butter. See, it's easy. See, you know, my music catalog crazy, man. Yeah, I know it is. Uh, I'm Shea all, Butter, I'm, I'm, uh, Ari Lennox. Yeah. Ari. Ari right, Lennox. I st- yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. That's what he was singing? Yeah. Come right on, Matt. That, that was the song Chandler used to sing? You know what that, I'm saying? That, that right there? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you in your element right now. You feel some type of way, huh? You in your zone, hey, right? Hey, man, Matt. So my boy, so Chandler used to come through the locker room or the training room or whatever and singing that song. It just made everybody laugh because we knew that was Chandler's song. And he, and he knew it. Like he knew like his, whatever he, you know, come through over throughout the locker room, no matter whatever, how any, uh, any one day is going. If he starts singing a tune mm-hmm. and singing enough, somebody's going to start singing it in the locker room, like getting on his train. That's what he always says. Yeah. I got you. I got you singing that song with me. I got you singing that song with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. We got to get Chandler to, to do it. They give us that, uh, the I got I gotta get my rocket prop uh my rocket yeah. power brother on. That's what we get, call it uh each other uh, rocket power brothers, man. Yeah, we so gotta I gotta get, get my rocket prop, prop brother on. Yeah, Yo, for sure. For, Who's for your me, funniest teammate, Matt? Uh the guy who we had on last week, Chris Hope. Super funny. He get in that Chris Tucker yeah. high pitched voice and he just can yeah, joke Chris. all day. He says some of the yeah, some of the funniest funny. unexpected things that will have you laughing <laughs> all day. Another one, Dominique Rogers Cromarty. Oh, oh a, man, he a, he I heard plum, stories about him, man. Boy, he a plum fool, man. Boy, he have no sense <laughs> at all, boy. <laughs> None. Hey, were you there? This is definitely radio, but you, you, you can, you know, you can, you can nod or wink. Were you there when he gave the coach a pump? <laughs> for a gift? No, I wasn't there for that. That sounded like something he would do, though. <laughs> that's, 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 hey, hey, we, we'd be, it, it'd be a normal day. Like, like it could be September, right? Week three or week four is September. And he'll come to work in a Spider-Man outfit. <laughs> Mike Adams told me he came to work one day, man, in a full baby, like outfit in the, like in the, in the, the one, he had like a, not, he had not the, the, di- the, the diaper. diaper on. Yeah. yeah. So you was on that team when he had the diaper on and, and with the big ball. I think that was that. Yeah. I think that was his Halloween outfit. Hey, one time Mike, he came in there with Spider-Man. He came in there with uh, the Toy Story. What's the, with, with Woody? I think it's Woody. Yeah. He, I was like, man, Diaz, what hey. you doing? So you know how to give, you know how to, you know, do, you, uh, you do dirty Santa for Christmas. Yeah. Man, they said, I don't know who the, who the secondary coach was, but they said DRC gave the man a penis pump, man. <laughs> I went. I went for. That. I wasn't there for that. But Jit, man, Jit was Jit was wild out there, man. We used to be in the casino. We used to be in the casino, right? <laughs> and I remember one time I was in there on the other table, and they told me to come get him. He done jumped on top of the table because the dealer kept getting blackjack. I said, man, these people gonna send you to a mental institution, man. What you doing? No, man, they cheat me. They cheat. I said, man, it's not. It, it's, it's, it just happens, man. They kept getting blackjack. He done jumped on top of the table to try to go get the deal. I said, man, I'm lock you up. They're like, can you please come get him? I was like, man, shit, man, stop tripping, man. Hey, man, that's crazy, man. Yeah, I heard man. Some, some funny stories about that dude, man. Oh, he wild. He wild. And I had an opportunity to be with him too. When the Pro Bowl was in Orlando, I was like, yeah, that's. Whatever I heard is definitely true. <laughs> oh, oh, man, listen, he a great dude. He'll give you his right and his left arm. But when I tell you, boy, he get in his he get in his mode. Man, you better look out. He used to get mad at coach. Uh, who was out there? I think it was Terrell Austin. Him and Terrell used to go at it all the time, man, all the time. And when I when I brought Boo Ray out to the guys there, 
Uh, we used to be playing Blu-ray right before that practice, right before that. Uh, we used to practice early. You know, you, oh, before yeah. we had the end. I was a kid. Yeah, I yeah, kid. yeah. We used to practice super early. Man, Jit would be playing, and he'd get booed. So we'd be like, okay, we gonna finish it out at the end of practice. No, 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 no. Let's play right now. I want my money back. I want my money back right now. I'm like, no, man, we gotta go to practice. So we'll leave, and he'll just be sitting by himself with the cards in his hand. I mean, and then he'll walk out, not dressed. No cleats on, no shoulder pads. <laughs> don't, don't look at me. He tell the coach, don't look at me. Like, man, this man tripping bad. Oh man, one fool, like I said. Yeah, but no, I that, see that man. I oh see man, that. great guy. But boy, I tell you, boy, he will have you rolling all day and all night, man. But thank you, Instagram for that question. Insta underscore gram for that question. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed our response. Uh, we want to remind everyone that you can find us on Instagram at All Things Covered Pod. Each week we give clues for our next guest. And the first person to guess correctly, they get, they get a follow and a shout out on the pod. So we have to shout out fantasy football wolf, who I know personally is a great guy, definitely involved in his fantasy related content. Make sure you follow him. He was the first to guess Greg Russo last week. Again, follow us at all things covered pod for the very, very, very best content from the show. Now, Pat P. It's time for halftime. On the other side of the break, we'll be joined by your new quarterback, Kirk Cousins. Stay tuned. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, we're back from halftime. And like we promised you guys before half, you know, anytime we get into the locker room, we like to make a few adjustments. But Pat P, we got to make some big time adjustments because we didn't add an addition to the defense. We added a big time addition to the offense. Two time pro bowler. From Michigan State University, Vikings starting quarterback. He's actually the second quarterback that we've had on our show, All Things Covered. The first was Jameis Winston. And he's also a new teammate of our very own, Patrick Peterson. Captain Kirk is what I like to call him. Kirk Cousins join us here on the show, All Things Covered. Captain Kirk, how you doing? I'm doing well, B-Mac. Thanks for having me on. That be good to see you, man. Uh, looking forward to having you be in Minnesota and uh, finally getting to be on the same team instead of having to go against right. you. Right. <laughs> it's definitely I a pleasure doubt. to be on the same squad for sure. Yeah. And talking about being on the same team, Kurt, what was your reaction when you heard the news? All pro future Hall of Famer Pat P was joining you there in Minnesota. And how does his golf game fit into plans because I've heard you mention that you really, you know, you have his golf game in high regard. So, you know, what was your reaction of your new teammate? And then when you factor in the golf game, you know, what was your reaction there? 
So his golf game fits perfectly because Adam Thielen, Harrison Smith, and I like to play, but we could use a fourth. So he kind of rounds <laughs> out our foursome. So that's perfect. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and it'll be fun to kind of see where he stacks up in there because I'm clearly bringing up the rear and Adam's clearly out front. So we'll have to see if, if Pat can kind of push Adam or if he's going to be hanging back by me. I'm guessing he's <laughs> going to be up more where Adam is score wise. But, uh, uh, so we're excited to get him out there, kind of showing the course around Minnesota if Fitz hasn't already shown them to him. But, uh, you know, more importantly regarding football, I texted Zim right away and I said, man, you know, I didn't even realize he was a possibility. What a huge, uh, what a huge pickup for us. You know, in our scheme with Coach Zim, corners are going to be asked to do a lot. You know, you're going to be, even when you're in zone coverage, you're pretty much in man-to-man. So um, you need great corners, and Zim knows that. And I think that's why we went out and got Patrick, because we, we need a guy like that. And I'm so excited for the pace he can set for our younger players. I think we do have some good young corners, but the chance to watch and observe, like you said, a Hall of Fame corner go to work every day, I just think that's that's also very valuable and something that Patrick can bring to the table. So, you know, whenever we get back to work and we're not virtual, I'm really looking forward to uh, to that. Looking forward to the battles in practice every day, too, to oh, go yeah. against a great corner. And so, uh, you know, lots to look forward to. Oh, yeah, it's definitely going to be uh, something I'm looking forward to as well, having an opportunity, obviously, to meet you back in, I think it was, what, 17 or was that 16? When I came out as a free agent was uh, the spring of 18. 18, but, that's uh, what it was, yeah. 18. So yeah. And I, 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 hey, hey, you know what, Pat? I remember <laughs> when Kirk was a free agent because, remember, you were in Atlanta, and I came yeah. and we, we met up, <laughs> and Kirk was in Atlanta, and I think you and Fitz yeah. were supposed to be part of the re- recruiting team to get, yeah. to get Captain Kirk out to Arizona. <laughs> so we actually, we was out there playing golf, and we, you know, we just happened to run into Captain yeah, yeah, Kirk. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, happened to. Okay. We just happened Sounds to run into right. Captain Kirk, you know, but – uh you know, have an opportunity to meet you at that time and, you know, pick your brain and just seeing where you are. It, it just it was like a match made in heaven when uh, when this team came available because seeing what's coming back on the offensive side of the ball, seeing what you, know, you guys were able to do, just meet, just need a couple pieces on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm happy to come to give a helping hand to, to help us, you know, obviously horse, horse that Lombardi trophy at the end of the year, which we know that's everyone's goal. Um, but we had one of your, um, uh, one of your hot hand receivers on a couple of weeks ago and, uh, Je- Justin Jefferson. And, uh, he told, he told us a little story about him finally getting you to do the gritty. How does that come about? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so obviously Justin brought that, you know, to us being from Louisiana, you know, it was kind of his thing. And Adam Thielen was getting in on it a little bit as the year went on. And, you know, so it kind of came up, you know, Kirk, when are you going to do it? And I thought, man. I don't know if I can do it after a touchdown pass. It's not really your thing. You got to actually be the one who scores. So I sure. said, if we, if I run a touchdown in, you know, then I'll, then I'll do it. Well, sure enough, week 17, we're playing the Lions last game of the year and we call the quarterback sneak. And I think I may have even told him in the huddle before I called the play, like, Hey, if I score on this sneak, I'm doing it. You better come find me. I don't want to be the only one. Sure right. enough, he was the first one over there after we scored on the quarterback sneak. I got up. Was ready to do it. He joined me. The only problem was all the offensive linemen stood behind me and just kind of stood there awkwardly, right. like the awkward guy <laughs> at the party who doesn't dance. So next year, I told him if I run for a touchdown, I'll do it again. But I want the whole offensive line right there with me. I like it, and I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run on the field with you and do it as well. <laughs> Especially, I, I need to be. I need to be like a pivotal moment 
like even like a you know that winning drive maybe in Arizona it might even be better than there. There you go. Coming right down there hitting the gritty with all you guys in there. <laughs> oh, you definitely got to do it against the Cardinals, Pat Pete. That's only right. Hey, Kirk, who do you think if you had to uh, grade who did the gritty the best between you and Adam? Dealing. Who would you take? Because remember, he did it earlier in the season. I think he did it on the sideline. Yeah. So Adam, the other thing you got to know is Adam had a lot more practice reps. I mean, he was like he was right. walking around the practice facility, going to meetings, trying to gritty his way there. So like he was always doing it. He always look at Justin like, "Am I doing it right? Am I doing it right?" And Justin would just shake his head and laugh. So he had a lot more practice reps. But yeah, he he was probably a little better. He was much quicker. He had a little more pace to it. I was a little more deliberate. Right. But, uh, <laughs> I wasn't too disappointed with my gritty, but it's also something I don't need to be doing on my way to meetings every day either. Right, right. <laughs> so, Kurt, you gotta, you gotta fill me in on the Minnesota winners, man. I've been, obviously, you know, I've been in Arizona for 10 years, been Never in the know. desert, been enjoying this great, these sunsets, but I never enjoyed, I've never been in a temperature like I'm, like I'm about to walk into, man. Talk to me about these Minnesota winners, man. All right. So first of all, the season times up perfectly because the worst month of the year is February. And okay. even if we go to the Super Bowl, which hopefully we do, we're leaving town for the Super Bowl, most likely. Right. So, you know, yes, January's cold. Yes, December's cold. But it gets worse and worse as the months go on. Okay. February being the worst. So we missed the worst months. So that's a real positive. And okay. I found November and December aren't that bad. They really aren't. I've been here three years. I keep waiting for the brutal day where I go into work right. and it's negative 10. But we just haven't had many or any of those days, really. Okay. You know, we went in, into the second round of the playoffs a couple of years ago. We were still there in mid-January, but it's not that bad. Now, if you have to play at Green Bay or at Chicago uh, in December, yeah. then, <laughs> yeah, you better believe Coach Zimmer is going to make you practice outside all week in Minnesota, regardless of what the temperatures are. But we've actually been pretty lucky with the schedule where most of our away games uh, have been in September or October at Chicago okay. or at Green Bay. So we've been we've been pretty fortunate. I will tell you, though, the golf game's going to suffer because the clubs kind of get put away you know, mid to late October. And okay. unless you have a simulator like Adam Thielen, it's tough to get out and hit. And then <laughs> the cars, man. I mean, you just got to know that with the salt on the roads to clear the snow, it's terrible for your cars. So right. oh, yeah. most yep. of the most of the nice cars you're going to want to leave in the better weather and uh, <laughs> no just bring up the one you're willing to take through, you know, the snow and the, and the salt. Cause, bring uh, up, bring up the dealer car. Oh, Pat yeah. P, so you, yeah, you never really had to drive in those type of uh, conditions. No, man, it's all new to me, man. Yeah, oh, you get man. you get all wheel drive, four wheel drive. You'll yes. be just fine. But I'm about uh, to get no some, tires. Of sweet, some of those sweet cars aren't going to make it too long in the winter here in Minnesota. Yeah, I need me a Toyota Tundra. I need me a <laughs> Tundra. You need your big boy truck. Yeah, you need a, a big boy truck. I like that. No question. Hey, Kurt, we'll get back to Minnesota in a second, but let's go back in time. Um, you were a former two star recruit. Uh, what are your emotions as you look back on your football journey? as you enter into your 10th year in the National Football League in your seventh year as a starter? Yeah, it's been quite a journey. And the longer I've played, the more I realized that as much as there were the the five-star and first-round draft picks who went on to great careers, there's probably just as many guys who weren't drafted or weren't big high school recruits. And so you realize, you know, it's pretty common to have been under-recruited and have to kind of fight your way through it and earn your way. And for whatever reason, a lot of players can slip through the cracks. And I was just grateful that late in my recruiting process, Michigan State offered me a scholarship. That was kind of my dream school all along. They're only an hour and a half from my hometown where I grew up. So to get to play at Michigan State was sweet. I got to play, start for three years, start a lot of games. Uh, we won a lot of games. 
you know, really special experience. So it all really worked out so well for me as I look back and, and all the way now to, you know, being in Minnesota, it's just been a, a really blessed journey. And, um, you know, as Pat mentioned earlier, you know, what we don't have in Minnesota is the Super Bowl. And he'll he'll see when he gets there. It's a big, big deal to the people there that we win a Super Bowl. Understandably, they just they've been starved. I mean, they've been to it four times, haven't won one. You know, they've been to the NFC Championship game a couple times in the last 25 years. So, you know, if we could deliver that, uh, you would be I mean, you'd just be a legend forever. So that's uh, really where our focus is. And that's awesome. And um, Kirk, well, you had the opportunity to do something in college football that many college quarterbacks wasn't able to do, and that's go undefeated against Michigan. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that uh, that tradition. Tell us a little bit, you know, about the rivalry. Um, well, really, it really wasn't a bit of a rivalry when you played there, but give us a little bit of history about the tradition and um, and why 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 were you so successful against those guys? So I grew up in the state of Michigan, so it was very personal to me because there were <laughs> close friends of mine who I went to high school with that I would consider best friends that right. still rooted for Michigan. You know, like when I'm in Michigan State, I'm playing for Michigan State, they're still pulling for Michigan. So it got really right. personal really fast. And um, okay. we always said if you if you beat Michigan for the next year, you walk the streets of your hometown. Mm. But if you lose, you walk the alleys. You know, you okay. kind of try to keep a low profile. <laughs> So, you know, we all said we want to walk the streets and, uh, and then we felt, Hey, if we can sweep these guys, we could walk the streets the rest of our lives and say, Hey, right. we went undefeated against them. So that was kind of a goal for us. And, um, you know, I was never recruited by Michigan. They never, I don't even know they sent me one letter. So wow. there was also a bit of that chip on your shoulder to say, right. Hey, you know, I, if they weren't going to recruit me then, I, you know, I want them to know me now. And, um, you know, I have a, lot to thank for teammates and coaches and everybody around me who kind of helped us be able to beat them um, when we did. And it's a great rivalry back and forth. Some years they get us, some years we get them. But um, every year, you know, you walk the streets or the alleys, depending on how it goes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and Kirk, speaking of Michigan State, there's a famous photo, I think, during your freshman year summer camp uh, featuring three future NFL QBs, two Super Bowl winners and Brian Hoyer and Nick Foles. Many people forget that Nick Foles was at Michigan State before he transferred to Arizona. But talk about that competition. How did that competition with those two guys prepare you for what you would face in the National Football League? Yeah, I came in, like I said, as a freshman, kind of as an under-recruited guy, two-star player. And I'm looking at, you know, future Super Bowl winners. You know, Brian (laughs) Hoyer has had, a, I think, a 13-year career in the NFL. Nick Foles, Super Bowl MVP. And I'm kind of measuring my game off of these guys. And I'm saying, man, it's hard to play. Like, I'm not that good. Looking back, I didn't realize these guys were going to have, you know, both have double-digit years in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a competitive room, you know, a lot of good football, a lot of good quarterbacking. And I think for me it was such a blessing because while it was competitive, and I didn't know what I'd ever get to get on the field, it really set the bar high. So I was able to see every single day as I watched those guys guys play you know what it could look like what it should look like you know I think a big reason why I've played the NFL is because I was around NFL type quarterbacks in college and it kind of helped challenge me and raise my level of expectation while I was still trying to get there so with NFL draft almost here I guess what piece of information that you can give the the draftees and also tell us a little bit about your draft story being drafted behind a Heisman Trophy winner in uh, RG3 
Yeah, you know, I would kind of tell any rookie now that it, uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, you know, everything in you wants to make sure you get a big signing bonus, that you, you know, get all these marketing opportunities right away, that everything kind of clicks into place your rookie year. And that's great. If that happens, that's great. But also understand right. that it's a long journey. And if, if you're worth, you know, the, the, the high pick, uh, you better still be around 10 years later. Right. And so, you know, I, I think there's, you know, we need to kind of change our focus as a young player to say, Hey, what are the habits I need to have and the approach I need to have thinking about the long game and how to be right. successful at, at my position, at my job, you know, day in and day out for a decade or more. Instead of just trying to treat it like a sprint. And I think that would help a lot of players, you know, be pros about how they go about their business when they, when they come in. And my draft story was unique. You know, there were, there were eight quarterbacks, if I remember right, that really had a chance to be good NFL quarterbacks coming out of college the year that I came out. And it wasn't so much a question of, you know, which round will I get drafted in or which team will I go to? Although that's important. It was more of those eight guys because we're all kind of lumped in together. Where will I go one through eight? Will I be the fifth quarterback, the sixth quarterback taken? You know, where will that be? And I know a lot of position groups kind of look at it the same way. I mean, I look at Justin Jefferson last year. He was the fifth wide receiver taken. Mm -hmm. And looking back, clearly he was not the fifth best wide receiver in the draft. He was much better than that. But for whatever reason, he was the fifth one taken. And, you know, I was the same way. I ended up of those eight guys, I was the eighth one taken. And wow. it was still early in the fourth round. I mean, that isn't late in the draft. Early in the fourth round is not, not half bad. But mm-hmm. I remember being a little bit disappointed that of those eight guys, I was viewed by, you know, the seven teams that picked ahead that, uh, that I was viewed as the eighth guy. And do so you remember the eight, always, the eight quarterback skirt? What's that? Can I name do them? you remember the seven? Oh, yeah. Can you name oh, yeah, them? I can name them. Uh, you've got uh, Andrew Luck, you know, obviously yep. was on his way to a Hall of Fame career. Robert Griffin was, you know, rookie of the year and pro bowler his rookie year. Uh, has played a long time. Uh, then you got Ryan Tannehill, yep. who had a Pro Bowl career. And then it was Brandon Whedon who went to Cleveland in the first mm-hmm. round, Brock Osweiler in the second round. Yep. And then it went uh, Russell Wilson and Nick Foles, a couple of Super Bowl winners. And then I went in the fourth round. So it was a pretty pretty productive draft. <laughs> wow. But, uh, wow. Hey, Pat uh, P. Well, he remembered that like it was yesterday. Hey, he not, he, he, <laughs> that, that, right off the bat. Some, Hey, that's that's some uh, motivation that we don't really need to talk about because he remembered every name, the <laughs> every position, and of, everything. Yep. And when they pick, when and then it sound like the number they got picked and everything. <laughs> no question. No question. <laughs> hey, hey, we like that. I, I like that added fire there, Kurt. Uh, and speaking of RG three, man, how challenging were, were there the the first three years there in Washington, where you just basically had to be ready whenever he got banged up. You know, looking back, I wasn't ready to play. And mm-hmm. so it was a blessing in disguise to go to a team where I could sit and learn and just kind of observe and gradually get better and improve behind the scenes. And really my goal when I got drafted there was play well enough in preseason games that someday maybe they could trade you and that you would be a person because of how you played in the preseason that other teams would be interested in. You know, after Robert's rookie year, even more so, I thought, you know, that's my best bet. And I thought, man, being around such a such an explosive offense and the guy's dynamic is Robert, you know, that could really help me. That could really help how I play the game and see the game and and even maybe even how other teams evaluate me, you know, never would have expected the injuries with Robert. And then that kind of opened the door for me and, um, you know, and then just played through it. But uh, it was a great opportunity for me, kind of similar to the way Aaron Rodgers waited for three years and got to observe and then jumped in his fourth year. That was a similar timeline for me. I, I played a, a little bit in my first, three years but 
it was really my fourth year where I had to kind of say now or never and turn it on. And, um, and that was when, uh, you know, I've been able to start ever since. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a trip down memory lane. I believe this is when Captain Kirk was born. Week seven, <laughs> 2015, one of the most memorable performers of your career. You led the Washington at the time, Washington Redskins back from a deficit, a 24 point deficit, uh, against the Bucks. And you guys came back to win that game and you dropped the now famous quote. You like that? Where did that come from? <laughs> um, that's a great question. I'm still trying to figure that out. I, I think you were fired roommate, up. The emotions were, were taking over you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Tom Compton, my roommate, going back my first couple of years in the NFL, he and I would kind of say it to each other as a joke. So I think that's maybe where it started. And then I would yell it in okay. practice a little bit at the defense, at the coaches. If we hit a big play, a big throw, I'd kind of look at the coaches and just say, you like that. It was sort of like trash talk. It was sort of like just hyping myself up. Right, right. Energy. So when I said it, I think my teammates really weren't surprised by it. And they were kind of thinking, well, yeah, we've heard Kirk say that kind of half joking, half serious <laughs> uh, all through practice this year. But when I did it, I didn't realize, I truly did not realize there was a camera in that part of the tunnel. Uh, I thought back there it was pretty, pretty low key. And so right. I, I, uh, you know, pointed at a, a a person in the media uh, in Washington who actually is a great guy. I really like him a lot, but <laughs> pointed at him and just said, you like that. Uh, obviously, you know, there's a little bit of just, you know, we were being booed when we were down 24 nothing. You obviously have a lot of people who are questioning if you can play, if you belong in the league, if you should be starting for the, for, for, for Washington. And, and so when you have a comeback like that and you win, there was just a part of that, that, that was, you know, you may not like me, you may not like the way that things have gone up to this point, but you, you like, like that. Yeah. Yes, indeed. <laughs> did you, hey, Kirk, did you get some, some t-shirts made or anything like that? Did you get that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I had no, like I said it, went inside the locker room, you know, went on with my normal post game routine. It didn't get brought up post game with the media. And I walk out to the player parking lot and my wife and my family are there at the car and they're, they bring it up first. They're like, what'd you say after the game? And I'm thinking like, Oh no, am I in trouble? Like, what did I do? Right. He said, no, no. Why'd you yell? You like that? It's all over the internet. And I said, Oh, I don't, I don't know. I was just being me. So, um, I had no idea it was going to grow like that. And then we actually had a buy the week after that game. So during the buy, yeah, we got the idea to uh, sell some T-shirts, use the the uh, funds to uh, raise awareness and raise some capital for a nonprofit in Washington, based out of Washington D.C., called International Justice Mission that we've helped support for several years now. So it was kind of a fun thing. And then I thought it'd probably die. And to this day, if I get sacked, you know, by like a Chandler Jones in a game, maybe oh, yeah. he, looks at me and he walks back to his huddle and says, "Hey, you like that?" I'll be in the airport and the stranger will say it as they pass me. So it, it kind of right. will follow me the rest of my life, I think. Yo, Kirk, who was the most recent defender to sack you and say that? Do you remember? You know, it all runs together now. But uh, the Bears, I remember last year the Bears were doing a fair amount of trash talking. And I'm pretty sure whether it was Trevathan or Khalil Mack or somebody, I heard it from somebody at some point in the game. So uh, it'll always be there. Oh, no yeah. Doubt, no doubt. Hey, Kurt, you played quarterback, probably the most scrutinized position in sports. And clearly there's a lot of pressure that comes with that position, especially if you're playing on a one-year deal. And you had the franchise tag there in D.C. Uh, what was your mentality, you know, playing with that tag over your head? I mean, you guys have lived it too, and and um, 
you know, you know that it's the business and that's a part of the journey in pro sports. But, uh, you know, the franchise tag, you know, there was pressure. There was, uh, you know, kind of an uncertainty uh, of what was going to happen next. But for whatever reason, I don't know if it was just being foolish or ignorant or if, you know, it was just belief in myself. I just felt good about the one-year deal and feeling like, hey, I'm going to have 16 games, hopefully more, to put something on tape. And I believe that if I go to free agency the next year, that people will be interested and they'll like what they see on tape. And so if the contract doesn't get offered that I would like to sign, then I'm happy to play on the franchise tag. I, You know, when I first kind of entered that journey of free agency uh, back in the end of 2015 and start of 2016, I would have never thought that it'd go two franchise tags and then the free agency, but that's the journey it was. And I'm, I'm so glad it went that way because it's enabled me to, to, uh, you know, play with the great players I've played with and, and, uh, end up in Minnesota and, and uh, be talking to you guys right now. So it's truly a blessed journey. Hey, Kurt, in those two years, I can't remember what your tag was. I think it was under, you made like what almost over $40 million in those two years. <laughs> yeah. I was a little north of that. Yeah. <laughs> he, said, hey, Pat, he said a little north of that. A little north. <laughs> Going back to that. Do you, cause me and Mac talked about this, uh, a uh, numerous of times about franchise tag. And obviously no one wants to be franchise tag, but man, him came up with his idea. And I want to see what you think about this of just having the quarterbacks being franchise tag. But at the end of the day, essentially you guys are the safest players on the field. You guys are the most protected Correct. players on, on the field. How do you feel about, you know, taking the, uh, like, do you have any input on the franchise tag in the future? regardless uh regarding uh the nfl yeah i i hear what you're saying too because it makes sense i mean that was part of the reason i was willing to go with the franchise tag is i knew i wasn't playing defensive line you know i I knew a quarterback it's a little bit different conversation than if you're playing most of the other positions so that was certainly part of it as well but yeah and that's the big thing is you know with the nflpa and the nfl and those discussions and negotiations is those little pieces of the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement are, you know, things like the franchise tag. And is there a way to do away with it for players? And, you know, those kinds of things can hold up a negotiation. And then eventually the union has to decide if it's worth it or not. But it's mm-hmm. the kind of thing that if if the players were to get, players would be really happy with with that opportunity to go to free agency as a younger player, you know, healthy. I think it would make a big difference, especially like you said, for the non-quarterbacks. So you know, I I do think it would have some some merit, and I bet a lot of players would get behind it. At what point, Kirk, did you realize your time was done in Washington? The day I found out they traded for Alex Smith, I I really thought that there was still a chance I'd be back in Washington. I did want to go to the market. I did want to see what was out there. I did want to know what you know could be and allow my agent to talk to other teams. But I mm-hmm. it didn't mean that I wanted to leave Washington. There's a difference. You know, there's a difference in going out and seeing what the market has and truly wanting to leave somewhere. I just wanted to go see the market because of being franchise tagged. I hadn't been able to do that. So, mm-hmm. you know, we told Washington that, you know, we communicated, I'm going to go to the market. Uh, I said that publicly and pretty shortly thereafter, uh, you know, they traded for Alex Smith and and to their credit, you know, they, they said, we just can't wait. We can't, we can't be left in free agency, you know, planning on getting you back and then you're gone. And now what, what do we have? So yeah. they were proactive to their credit, went and got Alex Smith to make sure that they had a plan. And, um, and then that obviously, you know, sealed my fate to know that I was leaving. And it really also made you kind of say, okay, like we got to go find somebody in free agency because the door just closed, uh, to go back to where I've been. And that was really when I knew when they traded for Alex Smith. So why, why Minnesota? 
Great question. I remember uh, we looked at, there were really four teams, the Jets, the Broncos, the Cardinals, and the Vikings. And as we did our homework and kind of looked at uh, the situations we'd be walking into, we felt that uh, three of the four teams would be a double, if you were to say baseball terms, like they were going to be pretty good opportunities, but we felt that one was a home run and that was Minnesota. And it was just the combination of all, all the factors that affect you know, your, your uh, experience playing pro football, especially as a quarterback, knowing you're so dependent on, on all the pieces around you. And we just felt like Minnesota was a home run, you know, to Minnesota's credit, you know, they helped, uh, you know, make it work and make it worth our while. And uh, it really worked out. Yeah. They, they, they made it worth what guaranteed 80 million, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I think. <laughs> Pat P, he got 80 million guaranteed. Yeah, <laughs> Well, that quarterback, you got to warm that, that play 60 on out there in the backyard, man. <laughs> that play 60 on might get you 80 real quick. All guaranteed. I don't even know what that feel like, man. Kirk Cousins, man, man, I tip my brim to you. I don't have one on, but I tip it to you. <laughs> hey, that's, that's a, that's a tough position, but they pay real good if you're good enough to get paid and you're clearly good enough to get paid. No <laughs> When you look at the, the the cast that you have now currently in Minnesota, I mean, uh, the structure, the pass catchers, man, you got a young stud in Justin Jefferson. And last year, there were some heated moment, moments between you and Justin. And most wide receivers, let's just keep it real. And I know Pat will agree, would agree with me on this. Most wide receivers are prima donnas. They want the football every time. <laughs> Even the when time. they're covered. It'll be covered. You, you, you. Like you, you wasn't open. Man, I was open. No, you were. You were not open. Every great receiver always believes they're open. They believe they should get the football. But how do you handle uh, uh, some of the disputes, the emotional disputes that happen in the flow of a ball game from your elite like wide receivers when they feel like you know what I should get every pass? And granted, you're the quarterback. You're going to throw to where you believe the ball should go to. But most people don't understand that happens in the flow of a ball game. Emotions go high. I mean, coaches get cursed out all the time. Players get cursed out from other players. But how do you handle it being the captain of the team and the quarterback when your wide receivers want the football every time? Yeah, you know, first of all, I'm super lucky to play with – I've been able to play with great receivers pretty much my whole career going back to the days with Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson and Jordan Reed. I mean, Pat's had to cover all those guys. He knows them well. But uh now in Minnesota, you know, having having Adam and Justin has just been a huge blessing to me and and to know that – Guy like Justin, he's so young and he has so many years ahead of him. Um, I look forward to hopefully being able to play with him for a really long time. You know, he's going to have high expectations this year for himself because as a rookie, you know, he's going in there not really knowing what to expect. And quite frankly, the role we had for him to start the year was not a large role, but he just played his way into more and more and more opportunities, suddenly set all these records for a rookie. So, you know, looking ahead to year two, I know he's going to have high expectations and, uh, I look forward to uh, hopefully being able to meet those and exceed them. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a great player. He deserves the ball. And so, you know, I've got to find as many opportunities as possible to get him the ball. And, and then he and Adam get along so well, you know, they're, I think each other's biggest fan, biggest cheerleader. And, um, you know, that works out really well too. So I'm lucky to get to play with him. And, uh, you know, we also got a couple great tight ends and Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin and obviously Dalvin Cook at running back, you know, what he's done. So Florida State. That's right. That's right. So, uh, he, he's just a, you know, it's great for me to be able to play with so many talented players and I've really become the point guard and it's, right. you got a great small forward. You got a great center. You got a great shooting guard. Like let's bring the ball off the court, but let's put the ball in their hands and let's just try to get as many assists as we can. That's really my, my, my perspective. 
Yes, and statistically last year, that was uh, uh, your best season. So tell us like a little bit, like what clicked? What like what was the turning point in the season to where you had it going? You guys, you was feeling it. Everybody was you were just hurting the ball in the right where it needs to go. Like what was the turning point throughout the season to to finally feel like you guys had it going? Yeah, we got off to a one and five start as a team, and then had the bye week and. Um... You know, even at one and five, we were running the football really well. We were moving the football. We had a lot of explosive plays, but we were also, I think, close to leading the NFL in interceptions and we were uh, not being great on third down. Um, and we kind of, and we weren't closing out games at the end. And we really used that bye week to go back, you know, evaluate, kind of recalibrate. And then, um, you know, after the bye week, we played much better as an offense, protected the football much better, um, did a lot of positive things, but you saw the, the makings of that in the start of the year going one and five, a lot of the good stuff was there, but it was hiding behind not getting the win. We were able to kind of bring it to the surface a little bit more in the second half of the year. And I, I do think just Dalvin's ability, what he could do running the football and even catching the football was, was just a huge uh, engine for our offense that kind of drove everything. And um, you know, I thought Gary Kubiak, you know, did a really good job just putting the run game and the pass game plan together each week and, and having it all marry one another. And so when you have great coaches and you have great players and everybody's on the same page, and you have good chemistry, it's amazing what you can accomplish. And, um, you know, we need to be able to take what were some good, you know, moments, individual accomplishments on offense. We need to be able to channel that next year and turn it into a you know, wins and loss wins, I should say, but a win and loss record that is, um, you know, really going to reflect that. And speaking of next year, you look at the NFC North, uh, the Green Bay Packers pretty much, you know, own the division at one 13 games, I think over the last two seasons, uh, what do the Vikings need to do to compete with them uh, for the NFC North supremacy? Yeah, you made a great point in the last two years, the Packers have gone 13 and three. And so, you know, the first thing we got to do is we got to play up to, to them, to our competition in that division, you know, and so the, the fastest way to get them off of that 13 and three deal is you've got to find a way to, to, to beat them when you go head to head. You know, additionally, you got to, you got to say, Hey, we got to find a way to get to 13 and three as well. And now with 17th game, it's going to have to be 14 and three. And so, you know, it takes playing at a really high level week in and week out. Um, but there's no doubt that between, you know, Green Bay, Detroit and Chicago. Uh, it's a very tough division. It's been nicknamed the black and blue division going back many years because of how physical it can be. You know, we've got to, we've got to measure up and, uh, and under coach Zimmer, you know, this organization has, but, uh, we've got to do it against good competition. Yeah. That we do, Kirk. And I'm, I'm, I'm all in for it. So I'm excited for it. So now we're at the end of our, our, uh, our episode, but we got one more segment. We're going to hit you with some rapid fire questions. Here we go. Superlative uh, segment of it. We're going to put some rapid fire question. We're going to see how you can handle the blitz off the edge with this first question. We have to mention that you have a podcast called your uh, yourself called Under the Center. Who is your dream podcast guest? Ooh, good question. Dream podcast guest. I'm going to say. Golly, I wish I had more time to think about rapid fire. Uh, my favorite artist. That pressure. John hey, that, that pocket collapsing. <laughs> pocket is collapsing. I'm going to say John Foreman of Switchfoot. He's my favorite musical artist. I'd love okay. to have him on the podcast. Right, okay. Perfect. Second question for you. Which, uh, what viral clip do you catch more heat for? The gender reveal or the grilling or singing in high school? And we have clips of all yeah, of that. My yeah. YouTube watchers will be able to see. Each clip, the gender review, 
the grilling or singing in high school? Which one you catch okay, more? Okay, so for? I catch the most heat for the singing in high school, understandably. I I personally am most embarrassed about the gender reveal. And the grilling, I really feel I need to defend myself on this one. I still stand to believe that there's a place for using aluminum foil on a grill at, at certain times. So that's my stance. I'm sticking to it, but I definitely catch the most heat for the high school singing videos. <laughs> and what was the song again? I mean, it was, there were a few of them, man. That's how, that's how bad it was, but, uh, Pretty Woman, you know, uh, was one of them. And I was singing a song from a musical called Oklahoma. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I would just, if it was my choice, those would just disappear from the internet, but they're not going anywhere. Hey, but, but, hey, but Kirk, man, Pat P, he refers to himself as the pit boss. So, you know, yeah. maybe he can kind of show you some of his grilling yeah. uh, technique. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, That's another thing we can do. We can golf. We can grill. Oh, I'd yeah. love to check out some of your cars. So if you do oh, want yeah. to bring up one or two, I'd love to see them. So I'm, I'm, I'll bring up a couple before that Tundra hits us. I'm sure. <laughs> All right, Kurt, we know you had opportunity playing a couple Pro Bowls, but what is your best hustle play in Pro in Pro Bowl history? Oh, when I when I tracked down a keep to lead? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're yeah. coming down to try to win this thing, and I know if we win this thing, I got a chance to get in a car as right. the game. So I'm excited. I'm trying to get this car. You know, I'm still a young player in the league at this time, and I throw it. The ball is kind of behind Jimmy Graham. It gets hit up in the air. I think Lorenzo Alexander picks it off, pitches yep. it to a keep to lead. And I don't know. I wasn't thinking Pro Bowl. I was just thinking play football. Don't let a guy, you know, get a cover on an interception. So I just start doing my best Forrest Gump, you know, chasing after uh, Akeem Talib. And, you know, I felt like I was sneaking up on him. So I just go for the strip like uh, like I think Petey did in Remember the Titans. Right. I just go for yeah. the strip. And I think we knocked it out. But uh, at that point, our, my chance at MVP, my chance at, at winning the Pro Bowl was over. So, uh it was all for naught. And yeah, Lisa Salters interviewed me after the play. Like, why are you doing that in the Pro Bowl? Like, just don't do that. And I was like, I don't know. I wasn't even thinking. I was just playing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 2017. I think it was 2017. If I'm a keep to lead, though, I'm kind of mad at me. I'm like, dude, it's the Pro Bowl. Let me score a touchdown. When I can't do that. So I've never apologized to him for that, but I probably should. <laughs> okay. What's the most outlandish purchase you made after signing your contracts? And we know you don't you don't spend a lot of money. You know, I, I uh, that's a good question. Um, I went out, and I'm not proud of this because I don't spend a lot of money. But I, when I was in college, um, I had a teammate who he was a guy who looked good in everything he wore. You know, he mm-hmm. always had it together, and and I was the guy who who didn't. <laughs> and uh, he had this pair of Prada shoes that I really really liked, and I remember it saying like. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about him. So I was like, what are those Nikes? And he kind of laughed. He's like, no, man, these are Prada. Like this is a whole nother level. Yeah. So I Googled them them when I got home and and checked it out. And I said, like, someday I'm going to get those shoes. And, uh, cause they weren't cheap. And sure enough, you know, one of these off seasons after, you know, after signing a contract, I said to my wife, I'm like, I'm going down to the nice mall. I'm going in there and I'm buying this pair of shoes and I don't care what you say or how goofy they look. I've always wanted them. And so I went and got these Prada shoes and I'll wear them to a game next year at some point. But, uh, make sure you point them out to me. Hold on, hold on, Pat P. Hold on, Pat. Did you hear what Kirk Cousins just say? What? The question was the most outlandish purchase. Man, yeah, Kirk said some Pradas. Yeah, man. Outlandish purchase, man. Pro, products go provide like four or five hundred, depending on you know what hey, guy man. you get. 
That's Captain Kirk. He ain't got about yeah, Kirk, Kirk said, hey, so they got Dillacar, and he remembered so that from his Michigan State days. So that was dead. <laughs> exactly. That was on his mind. That was on yeah. his mind. The man been franchised <laughs> two times. The man has seen two big deals out in yeah. Minnesota. Yeah, they do the skull clap. Yeah, and he said some Pradas. Well, I need to live well, like wait, that. Wait till you see me wear them, though. You'll be like, yeah, "Oh, you haven't even worn them yet." No, I'm saying when you see me wear them, you'll say. Yeah, Kirk, that's pretty outlandish. That's not really you, man. That's a bit of a reach, you know? For you to pull that off, that's a reach. Oh, hey, Fat P, if you wear them during the season, we gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take a picture, record it. We gotta put this back because this will be in our archives. The most outlandish purchase (laughs) Purchase from Pro Bowl quarterback. And at some point in time, Super Bowl winning quarterback was a pair of products. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> hey, hey, Kurt, man, you—I yeah, need is. to live like how you live in, man. Cause, man, <laughs> this is this, this our last one, Kurt. Before last we one. let you go, what do you dislike the most about the Wolverines? Mm. I mean, I don't want to create too much bulletin board material, so I got to tread lightly here. Okay. Oh, you 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 um, dominate the Wolverines. Go ahead, don't tread just, lightly. Let's just say the fact—the <laughs> fact that I grew up in the state and never got a letter, never got a call. Never got invited to a camp and basically was overlooked by him because I have respect for him. I mean, they're a great right. school, great yeah, academically. Right. They obviously got tremendous tradition on the football field. But the fact that I am in that state right. and going to high school in that state and couldn't even get a look, I think, to this day probably is what bothers me the most. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, as you look back, you think, man, you know, maybe a look would have been nice. But obviously yeah. looking back wouldn't change the thing. And, um, you know, worked out for the best that uh, that I didn't, I guess, and, and got wow. to go to Michigan State. Well, you know what? Good thing they didn't give you a letter or invited you to a camp because anytime you play against Wolverines, you, you gave them hell. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely gave them hell. I want to add one more question. I want your honest answer. Pat P., I, I need to hear what he would say. Who will win a race out of the four quarterbacks in the NFC North? You, yeah, Andy Dalton, Jared yeah. Goff. Aaron Rodgers. Who are one of four? It gotta be between him and Aaron. It gotta yeah, be. Yeah, okay, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say between and afforded. Between me and Aaron, I'm gonna say, golly, that's tough. I'd probably be right there with Andy, you know, Goff. I don't know what Goff is as a runner. I don't ever really look. I think I've gotten faster. So you look at my combine 40 time. I actually think I'm faster than that now. For whatever okay. reason, I've just been better training better and whatnot. But uh Aaron would probably be he's he's older now, but you know, he's pretty explosive. Yeah, Aaron got some wheels, though, some sneaky wheels. We need to make that happen. Wheels. I don't know if we can make yeah, that happen. Maybe oh, oh, that would be must-see TV in the offseason? <laughs> hey, yeah, you man. might get another check where you can go get another pair of products. <laughs> that, that, there that, we that had a $600 a check. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes, that'd be a six-figure check. <laughs> Winner take right. all, you can go get you another pair of products. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, Kirk, Kirk, man, Captain Kirk, man, man, it was a pleasure, man. You're an ultimate yeah, guy, man. high character guy, man. Thank you for joining us here on All Things Covered. Uh, can't wait for Pat P to get up there with you guys in Minnesota so you can get put together that process to go hoist a sticky Lombardi. It's That's sticky because right. by the time it pa- it's passed around from so many different players, so many handprints on it, people kissing it, it's sweaty, but it's the sticky Lombardi. No other better That's feeling right. than that in professional sports. But best of luck to you. Uh, and, and, and yes, go to, I'm a, I'm a Viking fan now. So let's you go. know what I mean? I got to go get me some Viking jerseys and let's go ahead and what Super Bowl is in La La Land, LA? Yeah, La La Land. Yeah. I think so. Oh, that'd be nice. Let's do it, baby. 
It's dope. All right. Appreciate, Appreciate you guys it, having me on. Y'all do a great job and uh, cannot wait to get to work and, uh, like you said, get that sticky Lombardi like Mike Tomlin used to say. Yes, sir. The sticky Lombardi. Yes, Thank you, Kirk. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you. Right. Thanks again to Kirk Cousin and thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of All Things Covered. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back soon where you can expect all things to be covered. Peace. Peace. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.